And so I went to kind of scoot and move and something hit my face. And I looked over to my left uh, and where something had tapped my face and my right leg was folded across my waist and my foot was up by my, my head. Hey, I'm just a little uncommon. Hey, I'm just a little uncommon. Hey, I'm just a little uncommon. Common, common. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome everybody to the Uncommon Empire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Thogmartin, and this is an entrepreneur's journey of living an uncommon, authentic life. Gonna go deep today. Actually, kind of the next two episodes are gonna be deep. There'll be some energy, but they're gonna be deep. I've actually kind of put this episode off. You know, we talked about doing the podcast, we kind of talked about leading with this episode, but, uh, it's a topic. It's just a story that I've told, but I've not told it publicly. I've told it one-on-one vulnerability. Yeah. So it is what it is, is the fatal accident that literally changed my life. So some takeaways from this episode, I think if you listen and you listen to my heart, you're going to get some huge value out of this takeaways are this, you go through what you go through because you need to. God's going to put you in positions and situations and seasons in your life that seem terrible and like hell, but you have to go through them because you need to. There's something that you're learning. God's showing you. God's orchestrating in that season. Takeaway number two, confidence isn't cockiness until it is. I'll I'll press in on that. Number three, you can't accomplish anything great alone. If you're going to rely on you to make things happen, you're going to fail. And so look, and that's not to contradict as an entrepreneur, you, you live by kind of this code that if it's going to be, it's going to be me. And that is a hundred percent true. Uh, but I'm going to break that down for you. You're going to, you're going to have a better perspective and understanding what I mean by you can't accomplish anything great alone at the end of this episode. So, so stay with me through this journey, through this story. I want to take you back to 2007, quickly, uh, 2007, as you heard in the previous episodes is when I launched my first company, actually my, my, my second company, but my first company in the, in the death care space. Um, I, I launched a company in 2001, uh, had a partner in that company, sold that company in 2004, got married in 2005, 2007. I was working at the time for my father-in-law's burial vault company, uh, which you learned in episode two, how I got to that point uh, as an entrepreneur, how did I get to the position where I was working for somebody. But as an entrepreneur, when you are in a season, you're always looking for what comes next. And you're always visioning and paying attention to kind of what's, what's stirring inside of you. And I was in a profession and an industry that I knew nothing about. So I got into the death care space in 2004, learning the manufacturing side of the business that I was in for my father-in-law. And then 2007, he kind of set me free to go call on funeral homes and do sales calls for the vault business. I was calling on 
think roughly around 82, uh, no, about a hundred funeral homes in an 82 mile radius, uh, around Zanesville, Ohio, a, a lot of funeral homes, a lot of small mom and pop shops, small business, staple of the community businesses. And it was fruitful. It was valuable. I fell in love with what funeral professionals did day in and day out. Not, not the death side of it. I fell in love in the compassion side of it, the way they love on people, the way they serve people, the way they help people move through a season that's traumatic and just trauma filled and grief filled the way that they become uh, a comforter and a shepherd in that moment is, is powerful. That's the part of the, the business that I fell in love with. And I had this passion and I was looking for this opportunity to go, okay, what the skill sets that I have are marketing and advertising and storytelling. That's, that's my background. I don't know anything at this point really about running a funeral home. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a funeral director. And so I was looking where, where can I add value in conversations with funeral homes? And, and, you know, as you learn in sales and do I think that I'm a natural born salesperson? I do. I think it's in my D DNA, not a, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm a tactful salesperson in terms of like, I'm, I'm not that going to get you on the phone and, and, you know, sell ice to Eskimos and, and use all the, the tools and the tricks and all the things. I'm, I'm an authentic salesperson. You're going to find value in what I have to offer or you're not. And if you're not, then I'm going to move on. I'm not going to try to sell you on the fact of why you need what I've got. If you can't see the bigger picture, makes sense. So I'm calling on funeral homes and, and I launch uh, a blog where I'm just writing about these conversations because I'm, so, I'm looking at the problems that they have and I'm communicating with them around the problems that they have and the problems that they have are all based upon communication, telling a story, getting exposure. They're very misunderstood. It's a very misunderstood profession and funeral directors themselves are extremely misunderstood. There's a lot of negative stereotypes about funeral homes that have been conjured up by the consumer mind that are completely false and untrue. And if you ever experience a funeral professional one-on-one, -on -one, um, you're going to understand that those stereotypes are, are massively untrue. So, you know, I'm having conversations with them about the ability to be online and tell their story, the ability to be able to capture an audience. And this was early 2007. So Facebook was not rolled out to the public yet. Facebook was still, you had to have a .edu um, email address. Uh, LinkedIn had just gone public at like a $20 million valuation or something really low, crazy like that. It's amazing to see the these networks, the size that they are now to think of when they launched the, the low valuations that are like anybody can get $20 million with an idea on a napkin right now. So it's kind of crazy. Um, Anyway, so I went to my father-in-law and I said, Hey, I'm having all these conversations with these funeral professionals and here's their problems. Here's my skill set and my knowledge. And I think that I have information that can be helpful. Will you allow me the ability to, to write about these things? He said, sure, absolutely. And so I started blogging about conversations I'm having with funeral homes and where I see marketing and communication being able to be part of the, the conversation, needing to be a focal point of the conversation. And, you know, I'm just writing it, I'm putting it out there, you know, when you have something that you want people to hear, you figure out how to hack the conversation, right? There's a great book. Um, I hadn't read it at this point. It wasn't written at this point, but that really talks about this It's called the third door. And, and the, the, the analogy is 
you know, there's typically two visual ways to get somewhere, um, but there's always a third door if you search hard enough. So, you know, think about getting into a nightclub was the analogy that was used in the book. You've got the VIP line and then you've got the normal, everybody's going to wait in line. The normal, everybody's going to wait in lines forever long. The VIP, you don't have the status to get there, but there's always a third door. Are you willing to go down the alley and check the window on the bathroom to see if it's unlocked to be able to boost yourself up and get in the club that way? So in relationships and in, in, in things that you're going after and problem solving, there's always a third door. And so I was searching for that third door. I had no presence in the death care space. Nobody's reading this content that I'm putting out outside of the email list that I had generated around the customers that I was calling on. So you're looking at maybe 70 to 80 funeral homes that I was sending out content to. And there was some, some discussions and it was stirring inside of these funeral professionals. And it created conversation every time I called on them, but I was looking for more. And I found this discussion board that exists for funeral directors. It was one of the only places online where funeral directors hung out and and I started answering questions and problem solving. Uh, and every time I problem solved, I would put the link to the website. And so this website quickly morphed into what is now connectingdirectors.com, which is the largest online funeral publication on the planet. Uh, we reach 40,000 funeral professionals a month from 212 different countries. Um, massive reach, massive exposure, and it started it gave me a platform. Uh, people started listening. People started agreeing with what I was saying by people. I mean, other funeral professionals, uh, started agreeing with what I was saying. And within a year I had a thousand subscribers to that blog. I started to go to conferences and set up exhibits or be an exhibitor and set up booths where I would just literally get people signed up for this free publication that I created. Um, by 2010 had 5,000 subscribers on this blog. And through that time period from 2007, to 2010 started to get a lot of notoriety, a lot of exposure. My personal brand stock was rising. People knew who connecting directors was every conference that I went to. It was conversations about it. I was appearing in different death care magazines and, and writing articles that were distributed across the country and in, in traditional media ways, um, started getting asked to speak at conferences about social media and marketing and just how funeral homes could create exposure in their communities and started to generate revenue. Other brands wanted to pay me to put ads and content in the publication for them. And there, there's a season of your life where you're confident of what you're doing, but when that confidence turns into cockiness, it gets dangerous. And here's what I mean. So I was getting all of this exposure. Um, now, mind you, I was only, I had been in the death care space now since 2004, but really in a funeral home, calling on funeral homes since 2007, it's 2010. So three years really deep into the profession and understanding the way the funeral homes think and the processes and the things that happen in a funeral home and how they serve families. And 
I just started thinking I knew it all. Um, and that can happen, right? You get put on a pedestal, which I did. Uh, you get, you get exposure, you get notoriety. People are reaching out to you. People believe in what you're saying. People are listening to what you're saying and it starts to make you feel good. And that's where I was at. I started to look at the situations that I was in. I started to treat people around me like they were less than, um, you know, I had family that was in the business for 30 plus years that I'm like, yeah, no, I'm more, I know more than you. I started to say things that weren't right. I started to walk and talk with an edge and I started to give myself a lot of credit for what I was creating. Um, and confidence is one thing, but it's not confidence. It becomes cockiness once it becomes cocky. And that's where I was at. Um, by August or June of 2010, I was speaking on stages uh, across the country um, at different conferences. I was getting paid to be there. I thought I was something and I thought that I was somebody in this small middle niche. I grew from nothing to something in three years and I was proud of that. And that pride started to take over. Um, nobody knew anything but me. Nobody could tell me anything. Um, it was creating division in my family with the family that I worked with. And it was creating division with, with my wife. It was creating division with my kids. I had at this point, a four-year-old and a two-year-old and the division came because I was non-existent and I wasn't traveling a ton, but I, I was home almost every night, but I was never present. Um, and that confidence that I had, quickly turned to confidence that was destroying relationships. So confidence is confidence until it isn't. And then it's cockiness. Um, and that's the season that I was in. Uh, so to give you perspective as an entrepreneur, you, you sleep becomes secondary. Uh, the business becomes first, what you're trying to build becomes first. I was looking at the life that I could create for my family and the visions that I had and the things that I wanted. And I really felt that God gave me the gift to do what I was doing. And, and I still believe that a hundred, 1000 million percent. I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I just was not leading with God. I was leading with me. Um, and I was leading with, I'm doing it. I'm creating it. It's because of me, 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 me. And so to, to give you a perspective of my day, um, I would get up at 6am, go to work for my father-in-law. I would get to the office around seven. I would write content from seven to eight. I would publish that content on the, on the publication connectingdirectors.com. Then I would go to work for my father-in-law. Um, I'd make sales calls four o'clock. I'd leave his business. I'd go home. I'd by four 30, I was in the basement working on my thing, building this website, building out ads, learning Photoshop because I didn't, wasn't able to hire somebody to build out banner ads. I was writing content and getting paid the right content for brands. And I would work until, you know, maybe like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. So you noticed like from four to 11, so seven hours I was putting in, I didn't stop for dinners with the family. Rarely did I ever go upstairs and kiss my kids goodnight. My wife was literally doing it all. Um, when she would go to bed, I'd, I'd slip in bed with her. When she fell asleep, scoop my arm out from under her head, pop out of bed, go back downstairs, start working. So from 11 to 11 p.m., 11.30 p.m. to, to 3 p.m. 
a.m. And then from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. I would sleep. So I was getting about three hours of sleep. Um, and then I would do the, do the dang thing all over, rinse and repeat the next day. And it wasn't, it was creating division. I wasn't present in my kid's life. I wasn't present where my wife needed me to be. Vacations weren't vacations. I was up all night working on vacations and look, and and I'm not saying that that part of it is necessarily unhealthy that you're working all the time, but without creating the space for the things that you need to create space for division happens. Um, and so the confidence quickly turned into cockiness and nobody could tell me anything. So let's look at August 4th. 2010, um, my wife had, had taken the kids and gone, uh, on a trip to do hair for a wedding out in California. Um, I had been up, you know, all night the night before and was just grinding while she was gone. Um, barely sleeping because that's what you do. And I was, I had a, um, I was making sales calls and we, we had a, a Denali at the time that we had just bought a GMC Denali. And I had a car that, that my father-in-law provided for business. Um, that, and I'd never not driven that car for work purposes. Um, but when my wife left to go on her trip, I said, well, well, why don't you take my car to the airport? Leave me your car, take my work car, leave me your car and I'll just use it while you're gone. Uh, we had to get a repair done on it. And so I, I got it back, uh, from the repair shop while she was gone and I went to make sales calls in it. Now there's a blessing in the fact that I had my car, which in, three and a half years of, of making sales calls, I'd never not driven the business vehicle to make sales calls. So I was headed to a funeral home. It was after lunch. Um, and man, I think I was, I was, I was driving North on a state route and um, I was approaching like going uh, an intersection kind of going up a hill. The intersection was kind of like in the valley of the hill. And then I was starting to go up and a car came up over the top of the hill, went left to center, um, hit me head on my Denali peeled the top completely off. Um, this little car, it went kind of right under my car. I went up over it and did this completely barrel roll and landed upside down. Uh, the passenger in that car was, uh, was killed. Um, the driver of that car, I think had a broken wrist. I came to rest at 1241 PM upside down. Um, I was laying where the cutout of the sunroof was, and it was like slow motion. Like, like when you're watching a movie and a car flips and like everything is super slow motion, it was literally that. I don't really remember. I remember like, like getting hit lunging forward. My shoulder hit kind of the cross, the crossbar on the windshield, the frame of the car, my head cracked the windshield. Um, and then I came to rest in the, in the cut out of the sunroof. And I remember the car comes to rest. I'm kind of covered in glass and I was like, okay, um, I got to get out of here. And so I went to kind of scoot and move and something hit my face. And I looked over to my left uh, and 
where something had tapped my face and my right leg was folded across my waist and my foot was up by my, my head right beside my face on the left side. And man, I, I, the shock of it, you know, it freaks you out. And, um, you know, I was, I was in pain, but I wasn't in a terrible amount of pain. Literally what hurt the worst was the airbag had gone off and I had smoldering something burning on the back of my tricep, but I couldn't reach it to rub it off. Um, and luckily this happened right out in front of a trucking company and some amazing people came out and, and helped me. One guy literally held my leg up in the air to relieve the pressure and the pain as it was laid across my waist. And I was able to remember the phone number in my father-in-law's business. And I said, you know, you call and ask for my father-in-law and tell him what happened. And my wife's out of town. And, um, I remember laying there and there was a moment where it, it wasn't anger. Like I wasn't, I wasn't angry about the situation. I wasn't angry that somebody had hit me. I wasn't angry that it, I didn't know what was going to happen to my leg. It was mangled. Um, but I remember laying there going, okay, God, you, you have my attention. Uh, and God gave me this word and he just said, Hey, everything that you're going to do and create is because of me. Um, and it was, you know, God saying, Hey man, you've gotten cocky. You think that everything you're doing is because of you. You think that you are the greatest, you are this gift to death care and everything that you've been able to accomplish to this point And everything that you will accomplish in your life is because of one reason. And that is me. I've given you the ability. I've given you the path. I've given you the plan and the skill set to be able to do it. If you don't get yourself out of the way, you're not going to accomplish anything. And, and so what I mean by you can't accomplish anything great alone is not necessarily that you, you need another person. I do think that we are created for community and we are absolutely better together, but there's that entrepreneurial drive that's in a lot of us. That is, if it's going to be me, if it's going to be, it's going to be me and that's fine. And a hundred percent responsibility, uh, accountability, you know, the, the extreme ownership, I understand and I believe wholeheartedly in that, but unless God's at the center, you're not going to accomplish anything great thinking that you are the gift. You're not going to accomplish anything great thinking that it's a hundred percent on you and, and nobody else has a hand in it because God's got a hand in it. God gave you that skill set. God gave you that purpose. God put you on that path. God gave you the opportunity to make choices and the freedom to make choices to lead to the destiny that he's designed. It's up to you whether or not you're going to take that freedom and use it for good. Um, so you can't accomplish anything great apart from God. God becomes the center of it. And when you can humble yourself enough to understand that it's not you, that it's God, then the full weight of the responsibility is easier to carry. So if it's going to be, it's going to be me, that's only achievable when God's at the center and you understand that everything that you have and the purpose and the skill set and the path that you're on and the doors that open are 1 million percent God. He's just allowing you to step through it and allowing you to take responsibility and make the choices to step through that door and on that path. So 
I remember being in that moment going, okay, God, I get it. You can end this in the, in the snap of a finger. Life can change in literally a second. And so I, I have this understanding and, and I'm almost numb to, I mean, I'm almost numb to the situation that I'm in uh, because it was so overwhelming. I felt the presence of, of, of God in that moment. I felt the presence of him going, man, my, my thumb has been on you, bro, the whole time. And you are going to be able to do great things if you get out of my way. And, and you just understand that with me, that's how you accomplish greatness. You're not going to get there alone. You're not going to be able to take the responsibility and shoulder it without me at the center. And that's the feeling that I had. And I remember, I mean, everything was kind of a blur at that moment. After that, um, I remember getting put in the back of uh, getting put in a helicopter. I don't necessarily remember the helicopter. The helicopter went up, life flight. Um, came back down. There was a thunderstorm. They put me in the back of a squad, drove me an hour to the hospital. And I vaguely remember Kaylee arriving at the hospital. She was on her way back from California that day with the kids. Um, I don't remember a whole lot. I was in ICU for a few days and then um, went, went to a normal room, broke my right femur in three different places. And it was a season where you know, having that, that, that vision and feeling God in that presence had an immediate impact, but then, you know, I get out of the hospital, I'm going to fully recover. Great. You know, uh, you know, the leg healed 80% in the next three months. I was wheelchair bound for six months. Um, had to have the surgery again because it didn't heal hundred percent. There's a lot of medical crap in there, but you know, we have moments where we encounter God, but we have a choice to make. Is that encounter going to dictate how we continue to live? Or are we going to go back to the way that we were living before? Um, and I didn't, I didn't let it change me. Um, I had that encounter in this moment of where I needed to surrender and I didn't do it. Um, I, you know, got out of the hospital God eventually healed me a hundred percent. Six months later, um, I'm able to walk again. I'm out of a wheelchair, out of a cast. I mean, yes, there's pain and there's all the things, um, but it's really held me back from nothing that I've wanted. There's not, there's not been anything that I've wanted to do that I can't do. Um, but life continued to go downhill from that moment on. God gave me the opportunity to make choices that were going to change the situation that I was in. It was not, no, I'm sorry. God gave me choices to change my heart, not the situation. The situation was going to be what it was. The heart was what needed to change. This was my wake up call that I got, but it was like, I went back to bed on it. Um, and, and things eventually continued to crumble because I, again, I continued to, to shoulder everything as it was me that was doing it, not God. God was definitely not a partner in my eyes and in the things that were happening in my life. And the business continued to grow. The business continued to have a tremendous amount of success. 
got opened windows and, and doors that I was going, oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. I was not partnered with God in the things that I was doing. And there were probably a lot of things that happened from 2010 to 2012. Had I been partnered with God would have exploded a lot faster than what they have now. Um, and, and the opportunities would have grown, would have grown out a lot of failures because I thought I knew it all. So I started launching some other things in the death care space. Nothing was, had to get quick flash in the pan, spend a lot of money on it, have some success. And then, then it would crumble. And I couldn't understand why. Well, I, now I understand why. Um, but I believe that I believe that the accident happened because I needed to have that encounter. And, and I can use that accident to partner with God, or I could continue to come out of that going, it's me, it's me, it's me. And that's the, that's the position that I took, but God taught me something in that moment that I would never forget. And that's, he's fully in control. Everything that happens is because of his works and his hand and his, his thumb is on my life. I, you know, but uh, again, success was coming and I was going, oh, it's me, it's me, it's the flesh, it's the flesh. But I really believe you go through what you go through because you need to. I needed to go through that because I needed to have that encounter. No, I didn't listen. And things continued to get worse and God continued to let things deteriorate. My relationship with my wife was becoming non-existent. My relationship with my kids was non-existent. My relationship with the family that I worked for was deteriorating again because of my cockiness and my arrogance and I know more than you and look at what I'm building and get out of my way and all like just I was probably really a just a terrible person to be around um, and I didn't feel terrible in the moment I didn't feel terrible I felt like I was you know doing what God wanted me to do. And I felt like that was the moment I was supposed to be in. And I was building the things that I was supposed to be building, but I wasn't doing it in partnership with God. And, and things just went, went to complete rock bottom in 2012 In 2011, I LLC disrupt media, which disrupt media group, which is our social media agency. And I was starting to have success with that. Um, and I was, I was building and I was getting a lot of local small business clients. Um, and eventually got to a point where it was time to leave the family business and go out on my own. But, um, you know, when you play Jenga, and things are going really well for you. You know, you're punching out all the middle blocks. This thing's building up. And then all it takes is, is one little pebble, one little block to move a fraction of the wrong way. And that, that, that tower comes crashing down. That was really my life from t the accident to 2012, uh, middle of 2012 was, I was playing this risky Jenga game. Like it was like, I was playing Jenga on a shaky table and all it was going to take was one little move and everything was going to come crashing down. And that is 1000% what happened, um, to the point where, um, I left the family business, uh, not the right way. Uh, I left, you know, we, we knew that it was going to happen. Um, I, I was so very fortunate that my, my in-laws were grateful enough to allow me to build my thing while still working for them and having the stability of a job and some of the things that I needed to be able to provide for the family. And, 
had I not had that freedom, I would not have been able to build, build what I build built as fast as I did. Um, but also I look at that season and go, man, what if I would have partnered with God? Like he was calling me to do in those two years from really from the beginning, but specifically from that encounter in the car accident in 2010 to when I left the family business in May of 2012, if I would have partnered with God in that journey over that two, two years, man, things would have ended a lot differently and, my, and it wouldn't have led to literally complete rock bottom. Um, and that's where I'm going to leave you on this episode. Cause the next episode is going to follow up on, on this story and talk about the rock bottom, but this is the, the fatal accident that changed my life. And it doesn't seem like it changed it very well. I had a massive encounter with God. Um, but God was teaching me something in that moment. And so here, here's what now I know that God was teaching me one, Confidence isn't cockiness until it is. I'd gotten very cocky. I'd gotten very arrogant and I got very in the flesh. I was not operating in the spirit. I was operating by everything that I'm doing is with my hands, not your hands. That's a dangerous place to be, especially when you know that everything that happens is, is God's hands, not your hands or just the clay. And he's the potter. Um, and man, I, I lost sight of that everything that I was doing was because of me and the flesh and had nothing to do with the spirit. And that was wrong. Then I needed, God's taught me that I needed to go through that accident. You know, I, I, I spent a lot of years wondering why, um, and God's like, I revealed to you within five seconds of that car flipping over and coming to a stop. Why you were in that moment, why you were in that accident. I revealed that to you literally within seconds of it happening. I showed you a vision of what life could be if you partnered with me and you didn't do it. Um, and I continued to have failure after failure after failure, but I was still having enough success that I felt like I was great. And I learned that you can't accomplish anything great alone. When I decided to partner with God, man did like business change, success changed, family dynamics changed, but I had to get to complete ruined rock bottom. It took two and a half years of everything around me crumbling before I turned back to God and said, wait, we had this encounter, man. Like you, you showed me what am I doing? And it, the fatal accident, the encounter with God didn't listen. And it led me to complete other ruin rock bottom of rock bottom. And that's what we'll pick up on episode six. So I hope that there's some takeaways for you in here. Um, and, and hopefully you're examining your life going, okay, where's God showing me what's, what's, where do I need to partner with God? Um, and I'm going to tell you, you need to partner with God on anything, anything that you're trying to do. God is the partner. God is the, the partner. There's nothing that we can do in the flesh that can overtake God being our partner. There's nothing we can physically do on our own that's going to give us the as much success and value as if we partner with God to do it. Um, God's the pulley system that's going to make things easier. He's not, and I'm not saying that's going to be easy. Believe me, there's been tough moments um, from 2012 on, but 2012 was the rock bottom where I had to come to terms and I had to meet Jesus there and I needed to go through it. You have to go through what you go through because you need to. I had a mentor say to me, um, he said, look, if, 
God will show you glimpses of the palace and what, what life can look like and what success could look like and what you're destined to do. He'll give you glimpses of that, but he's never going to unveil all of it at once because if he unveils all of it and you see all the crap that you have to go through to get there and the seasons and the ups and downs of what you, what he's going to bring you through. Cause there's things that he needs to teach you in that to enjoy the kingdom when you get there and the success when you get there. If God showed you everything, you tried to navigate around the crap because you wouldn't want to go through it. But everything that we need to learn to be able to have the blessing and enjoy it is learned through those seasons. All right. And that's where I'm going to leave you today. We'll pick up on episode six at my complete ruined rock bottom. We're going to use the D word in that episode, which is divorce. So make sure you tune in, make sure you subscribe, uh, wherever you're listening to this app, please subscribe click that button, follow this podcast so you can continue to hear the story and the journey. This is me being real. This is me being authentic. This is me being, being vulnerable. I've never told this story on the, uh, on a platform like this where anybody can hear it. It's been held close to the vest, but I think it's time. God's saying it's time to tell the story and it's time to get it out there because, um, there's a number of you that are listening to this that need to make the decision to partner with God. Your business has become the flesh. The business has become your hands and not God's hands. The business and and your relationships have become all about you and not about unconditional agape love, beautiful love. Um, It's become about you and your hands and not the work that God is doing for you through your hands. Partner with God. All right. Until next time, live uncommon. All right. If that... If you love this episode, uh, hit the subscribe button, follow button, whatever button is there that allows you to get the notification that a new episode has been posted. Smash that button. Keep in contact with me. Uh, hit me up on any social media channels. Ryan Thogmartin, at Ryan Thogmartin on Instagram, at Ryan Thogmartin on Twitter, fb.com slash Ryan Thogmartin. That's how you find me. Search my name, Google me, and let's connect. Until next time, keep living on common.